Well, g'day, g'day, g'day. Welcome to the Bible for Business broadcast number two. Whilst I'm getting a WhatsApp call, how good is that? Um, thanks for joining me. When you jump on, let me know where you're watching from. It should be somewhere between LinkedIn and YouTube and multiple places on Facebook. You know, who said you can't be in more than one place at one time? That is a lie. I am in five places at the same time right now, which is awesome. Um, when you jump on, let me know. I want to see, uh, I want to be able to engage with you guys. Melbourne Town is in the house. I was just talking to somebody in Melbourne literally four or five minutes ago. Still fresh down there from what I can hear. Beautifully fresh, some would say. Um, you know, on this particular broadcast, um, I don't know, I'm probably going to poke the bear a little bit. Um, so that's fine. You don't have to watch, but I'm going to poke the bear anyway um, and talk about some of the myths. You know, I really want to focus on my 19 years so far of full-time ministry, right? You know, this marks the 19th year uh, that I have committed my life to full-time ministry ministry. I think we just have the camera drop out or maybe all of it. We're live. You just can't see me. Praise God for you. We'll just fix up a couple of things here and see how we go. Either way, I appreciate you for joining me. Goulburn, Goulburn in the house. Appreciate you. We'll fix this camera and we'll get going. And if we don't, well, I guess it's more of a podcast than it is a broadcast. Either way, either way, we're going to be bringing you a message here today, whether you get to watch it or just get to hear it, but I'm definitely going to share it because I don't want the devil to steal it. And here we go. Bathurst on the tube. Awesome. Thanks for joining. Okay, new work away. I'll just get on with it. So we're going to talk about my 19 years of full-time ministry. And, uh, and yeah, I'm poking the bear a little bit because I'm so frustrated about this myth around full-time ministry that it's only for a select few um, or, or that it's like some high power, right, that somebody chooses to go into full-time ministry and, and you know, and lead a church, right, or, or you know, or, you know, the people that I've met that, you know, kind of reference full-time ministry, they frustrate me to a degree and not all of them, but, but some of them. Hey, there we go. Oh, we're back, people. I think we're back. There we go, Caden. For an ads manager, you make a really good broadcast live stream guy. You know, um, 
it, it just frustrates me that there's this arrogance around these people that are like, I entered full-time ministry back in like 1912, right? And and they look down their nose as if like nobody else has done anything for the kingdom except them. And it frustrates me, right? Because, you know, when I think about my 19 years since I've become a believer, that has been 19 years that I laid down my life, chased after the things of the kingdom, tried to serve people, love on them, tell them about Jesus, right? You know, get involved in the church, fund the vision, right? Like, like, how's that any different to somebody who wants to run a church? I, I have been a minister of the gospel, right? Full time, actually, since I became a believer. And, and I have a feeling that you may have been like that as well. You know, I just can't imagine anybody's like, yeah, I mean, I, 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 like I'm a part-time minister, I'm a part-time Christian, you know, I'm a Christian on Sunday, but I'm like a full-on heathen on a Saturday, axe murdering on a Friday. Like there aren't that many people listening that would be like that. So, so the truth is, right, we are ministers of the gospel and, and we don't get to choose between full-time and part-time. It's just that for me, I'm a full-time minister that happens to spend the majority of my week in the marketplace, right? Running businesses and building businesses for the glory of God. So, so we've got to do like, you know, it's like, it frustrates me. It's like, it's like, oh, I'm a missionary. Oh, okay. Well, so am I. <laughs> like, like we, we just have this, we've believed this lie and we know how to celebrate the gifts, but only in one setting. It's like, if you're a missionary and you go to Africa and you want to feed kids, then that's celebrated. And by the way, it's wonderful, right? But if you're a missionary that wants to go and speak to, you know, Aussie business owners, right? And, 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 and live out a way that is a witness to the Lord. Well, we, we don't know how to, we don't know how to praise that. We don't know how to celebrate it because we've got no frame of reference for it. Well, that's what we're doing here now, people, right? Is we're, is we're bringing some common sense back to the conversation, right? So, you know, like the, the, these conversations around, you know, somebody who's anointed and, and then we look at that and we think they have to preach. Well, yeah, preaching is one permutation of being anointed, but it's not the only one, right? You know, like, you know, like using your gifts and talents and hearing from heaven about a, a strategy to grow your business and then go and do it and, and then, and then serve the masses. I mean, that, that's another way of, of walking out your anointing, right? So, you know, it's like, I'm just, I guess I'm just frustrated, which is why I'm doing a BBB about it. So, so this has been 19 years of full-time ministry for me and I have loved most of it. But I want to deal with these myths, right? Because we have a very thin view of the way that we celebrate typically, right? The things inside the kingdom. And I want to validate you as a, one of God's entrepreneurs that your value and your purpose in the kingdom of God is just as valid and needed and appreciated as any other assignment from heaven. All right. If you're with me, either say out loud, punch somebody next to you in the arm and say, I'm a minister of the gospel. Or if you want extra credit, put it in the comments because I want to see it you're right there. I'm a minister of the gospel. All right. I, I want to show you another encounter, right, that uh, that we read about in Mark 5, who, uh, who, who also was challenged to think a little bit out of the box. All right. Here's how it goes. Mark 5 says this. And you know the story, but we're going to put it in a slightly different context. Um, so this is Jesus and a few people. Jesus came to the other side of the sea, to the country uh, of the Gadarenes. 
And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tomb, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling amongst the tombs and no one could bind him, not even the chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day, uh, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with a loud voice and said, what have... um, Oh, when Jesus uh, was afar, he ran and worshipped him. See, there's a bit of a key, right? Like, you know, we can't be. Why are we afraid of the demonic? Like, we don't. It's like <clears throat> when you get in front of the worst ones, they bow, they run to you, and and, and they bow. And and so, so uh, when Jesus came from afar, he ran right? And worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice. What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high? I implore you uh, by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, this is Jesus now, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered him saying, my name is Legion for we are many. And he also begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the, the mountains. So all the demons begged him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them a permission that the unclean spirits went out and and entered the swine. There were about 2000 and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and they drowned. Right. Praise God. Right. So, so now this man is free. So those who fed the swine fled and they told, they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting clothed in his right mind. Talk about the redemptive power of my Jesus Christ, right? Literally a legion out and he is sitting clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him and had he had been demon possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to part from their region. So Jesus, like you've caused way too much chaos here. We need you to please leave. And when he got into the boat, now this is the bit I want you to catch. When he got into the boat, he had been demon possessed, begged Jesus that he might stay with him. However, Jesus did not permit him and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has come and he has compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, all marvel. Decapolis is the 10 cities around there. So think about this, right? Think about this. <clears throat> what I love so much about this, right, is, I mean, we don't know his name. He, he, he was legion when he was, was full of demons. But, um, you know, he, he basically gets radically saved, his past thrown away. Right. You know, the stuff in his life has to bow its knee to Jesus. Right. Which is different to how most people live today, where they bow their knee to Baal and kiss his face. But th- these demons bow their knee to God. They leave. And um, and and then so like this guy gets so caught up in Jesus and this beautiful thing that's happened. He's in his right mind. He's got nice clothes on. And he immediately says, Jesus, I'm coming with you. What does Jesus say? Uh, uh-uh. no. You've now experienced enough of the kingdom of God. Tell him about these wonderful things and the fact that God had compassion on you. Stay here and go and, you know, basically go and be a witness to all of the people in the 10 cities. So now this guy didn't need Bible college. This guy hadn't read, you know, John Maxwell's 400 books on leadership. Okay. This guy wasn't, um, this guy wasn't, you know, 
because our, our, our current model is if you really want to serve God, you've got to go to Bible college, which is fine. Nothing wrong with Bible college. It's great. Uh, I, uh, yeah, well, actually, actually, there is something wrong with Bible college. I told you I'm going to poke the bear. Why do we have a Bible college that only trains people to enter vocational ministry when that's only 3% of the population? 3% of the Christian population are called to serve inside the church. When are we going to launch a Bible college for the other 97% who are called to the marketplace in some fashion? Okay, I guess that's the hole that I am trying to fill right now in my busy day of trying to disciple the 97% in some way that aren't called to vocational ministry. All right. So this guy hadn't gone to Bible college, right? You know, he, he hadn't. It was like you have encountered enough of the living God for you to go now and be a you know a, a witness in this area across these ten cities. And he goes and does that, right? Goes and tells everybody about how good he's you know what the miracles he's seen and and, and what God's done in his life. So 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 why then do we have such a structure in 2023 of of how somebody enters full time ministry? This guy just went straight into ministry after having a supernatural experience, right? And and so I'm looking at your life now, and I'm like, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Right? See see see. One of the problems that we have in our current world is that it, well, it comes in two parts actually. We've got some people in the faith who are teaching business people that the only thing you can really, the greatest thing you can do with your life is give your money away, right? And so the people that, you know, typically proclaim that message are the ones that have got a building they can't afford. Um, and so they have to push the pressure back on people that run a business. Okay. So you've got it from that. And then, but, but just, I mean, that's unfair, but just as unfair is these business people who have tried to outsource everything, right? And abdicated their responsibility right, to be a witness in the world around them. And so, you know, so that the reason why it has managed to get such legs is because we've abdicated across the board, right? So, so that's, you know, it's not one or the other. Both have abdicated. One's got false teaching and one's abdicated. And that's why we have this massive void in the marketplace. And now we have all this corruption rising and all these stupid ideas and this, you know, woke ideology and this antichrist spirit that's rising up because because of those two things, right? Some bad teaching about the role that business plays and the fact that business people are so busy they try to outsource everything and, and, and make somebody else do it. So now we have a problem. Listen, ultimately, here's what I would say to you. We can't outsource our witness. We can't outsource being a witness for God. You can't ask somebody else to do it, right? You can't fund somebody else to do it. That's not scriptural. Scriptural is you will do it. Now, does that mean you can't fund things? Of course not. You should be funding them, right? The beauty of business is that the Lord can get a whole bunch of wealth through you, um, you know, to good causes. That's that's awesome, and we'll have more BBBs on that. But for now, like, but it's not it's not either or. It's not like, well, if I give away money, I don't have to be a witness. That's not what a redeemed life is all about, right? We see Legion, uh, or you know, post Legion he couldn't help but go and tell about the great things that God had done in his life, right? And you and I need to be exactly the same. I'll tell you a funny story about that, right? So, and I mean, this is not as impressive as Mark 5, but um, in 2018, uh, most of you guys know, but we, my family and I spent two and a half years in a caravan traveling around Australia. Uh, we did 70 evening workshops to groups of kingdom business people. And they were small groups of five. I remember one, we had one group that was five people in a McDonald's cafe. Can't remember where that was, but it was somewhere. And we had a group of 200 people in a major city. And, and we just did 70 events around the country. 
Talking Kingdom business, right? And during that time, we actually, as a family, went into Arnhem Land in the in the top of Australia, closed closed areas, and we went and did some ministry. and uh, And I still remember. I think it was the final night of like a three night, three or four night, you know, series of meetings. We moved to a few different cities, so maybe maybe the third night or the final night in this particular area, and um, the crowds were kind of building over the time. And then on the final night. You know, I had this man come up, um, or maybe he did, maybe he was just sitting on a chair out on the back, but I went up to him, we were praying, and he stood up, and um, and his eyes were rolled back in his head, he's an indigenous fellow, his eyes were rolled back in his head, He um, and he could barely speak, he, he was just grunting and grinding and, and, and kind of writhing around in his body, as you would be when you're full of demons and now you're near a worship service, and um, and he came, he kind of stood up because he wanted prayer, right? And so, you know, it's funny, I, I wasn't just going to straight out pray for him, uh, but I could see that this guy was fully demon possessed. And so, you know, like Jesus, like, do, do you want to be like many times Jesus, like, do you want to be healed? Because, because it has to, it's a two way street, right? You have to bring your faith and your belief, right? You know? And so I said to this guy, do you want to be healed? And, and, and he's nodding, but he's nodding and he didn't want to, and he's grinding grinding his teeth. And, and I was like, uh, I don't know that you do want to be healed. I said, I want you to tell me that you actually want to be healed and you want to meet Jesus. And he's grinding away. I said, okay. And I literally laid hands on him and prayed. I said that, you know, demons come out of him right now. And, you know, in the name of the father and, and then literally to the second he opens, I'd never, I hadn't seen his eyes. They were big. And this smile was like this big on his face. And he starts saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like, yeah, man, that's like, literally, you just got delivered. And then he's skipping around town and, you know, find out later there's a witch doctor over there who's like casting spells and carrying on like a pork chop, which is fine because greater is he that's in me, that's he that's in your witch doctors. So, you know, you have those experiences and you're like, like, what are they all for? Are they so that we can just outsource our life? No, they're stories that, I mean, sure, like, I don't know that guy's name. That guy, you know, was largely delivered, but that did so much in my life as well. That did so much in my life in terms of, you know, spiritual growth and journey and, and seeing a practical example of God move and so forth. Like, like that was just as much for me as it was for him. Right. So he got set free, but man, I got trained, right. You know, and, and, and I got to have a wonderful experience of, of, of the precious nature of God. So <clears throat> that's the thing I can't, so so if 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 my only role as a kingdom entrepreneur was to write a check to a you know to a church so that they could you know like you know give away seven handbags or hampers every Christmas like it it would it just I can't outsource my witness I've got to go and be out with the people as well as write checks right for the marketplace all right so so that's where we find ourselves. I can't outsource my witness. And if you agree with me, you should at least be saying that out loud to the person sitting next to you. And if there's no one sitting next to you, then write it in the chat because I'm feeling all lonely here up in this place. All right. <clears throat> let's let's have a look at um, at, at Acts, the book of Acts 1.8, because, because I know that some of you are thinking, yeah, well, it's just pastors. It's just pastors, right, who are, you know, are called, you know, to, 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 to go and be the witness. All right, let's just just pastors, right? Well, well, let's have a look at like that's how look let's have a look at how all of this mess started. Let's go to Acts, Acts, um, Acts one. Mm. 
well, I guess it starts in Acts 1-4, right? And it goes like this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, right? Which it was 50 days. Therefore, um, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They've still completely missed the mark. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now catch this. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and all the way to Australia. Right? Or actually, it says the end of the earth. But Australia is pretty much the end of the earth, right? So you shall receive the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you, and you shall be my witness to meet Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the way to the ends of the earth, hashtag Australia, right? <clears throat> so hang on a minute. So who was going to receive the Holy Spirit? Everybody, right? What's the criteria to be a witness? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you be my witness. It's like, so actually, so so is it only pastors that get to be a witness? No. The criteria for you being a witness is that you have the Holy Spirit. Now, here's my question for you, wonderful people. If you're a redeemed believer, you've laid your life down, you're focused on the things of the kingdom, and you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, you cannot not witness. It is the assignment on your life is to go and be a witness. All over the world is what he's saying there with Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's going to go out everywhere, right? Go into all the world. Well, that's the marketplace, funnily enough, right? There's all these people that are called to Kazakhstan. I'm like, what about the calling to the 43 people you hire? What about the calling to the seven customers you're going to see today? That is going into all the world, all right, and being a witness, okay? We can't outsource our witness, all right? We can't outsource it. It's us. We play a part in this as well. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, aha, I, I know what's going on here. Um, it was just the apostles. Because that would give you an out, right? Because you'd be like, well, I wasn't an apostle, right? So, so, so we go now a little bit further and we go to Acts 1.15. And it says, and so we skipped forward a little bit. We know the upper room, right? So, um, so after that bit that Jesus says, you'll go to the ends of the earth, he ascends into heaven. Two dudes in white say, what are you doing? Look at us, go and get busy. Um, then it lists all the people that were together. And then it says this, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Oh, hang on a minute. It doesn't say Peter stood up in the midst of the apostles. It says Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. And it says in brackets, altogether, the number of names was about 120, right? So 12 disciples, 100, 12 apostles, there's 120 disciples here. So here's the thing, right? Are you a disciple? You may not be an apostle. That's fine. But are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Yes. Well, then, so if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, then the obligation on you is to go and be a witness to the world around you. All right. And so 
And you're thinking, well, what, what does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? I love so much the fact that, you know, so much of this doesn't get talked about. I think about Acts 11, 19, right? It literally says, it literally says that after the persecution of Stephen, right, who got stoned, they fled and basically set up ministry in Antioch. What's Antioch? Antioch is effectively the Wall Street of the time, right? Antioch is the center of the corrupt business world, right? And that's where they go. They go straight to Antioch and they go and start ministering first to the Jews, then to the Hellenists, right? And then to the Gentiles, okay? So so why, why are we abdicating our positions that we've been called in and only worshiping, you know, being a witness in one flavor? We've got to go into all of the world that we find ourselves in because we cannot outsource our witness. You know, um, I, like I even have to laugh at, at, at the way that we do so much of this. It's like, <laughs> somebody comes up with a great idea that says, right, we're going to build a $5 million building in our town, right? Which is fine. Buildings are wonderful. They facilitate a move of God and so forth, right? We're going to build a $5 million facility. And so they spend three years raising the money and then the thing gets built and everyone's happy. And then like, you know, nine months later, they decide to hold a healing crusade. Right. And then, and then the whole goal is that you will bring your unsaved people or whatever, or the, or the people that need a healing and you'll bring them to the church and then they're going to get touched from heaven. It's like, well, why wait three years and spend all that money? You as the business person, why don't you just go lay hands on the person that's sick near you and start to expect that they're going to get healed? right? Why are we trying to outsource all of this to another institution, another place? Sure, it's fine. Write checks, build buildings. Great. Great to have building for church. But why aren't we just realizing that the power from on high that comes on us gives us enough power to go and do healings? Why can't we speak into somebody's life? Why don't we go and tell them about Jesus? Why don't we, why don't we, why don't we go and actually solve problems for people, be generous, love on them a little bit, go the extra mile? Why do we have to outsource it all through an organization when that was never the goal? Here's one question for you. How many miracles did Jesus do in the synagogue? absolutely none, right? They were all in the marketplace. They were all out in the population. That was him and his, his, his disciples, wherever they went, people, wherever they went. And so, you know, I think about, <laughs> I think about like Romans 10, 13, it literally said, oh, actually, let's get, let's, let's find it. Cause that way I won't butcher it. It's got so much power. Romans 10, 13, Romans 10, 13. Come on, Romans. Come on. Come on. Hmm. A lot of rascals in here somewhere. This is like so good. Romans. See this, this will uh, this will clear your sinuses. Romans ten thirteen says this. Uh, maybe it isn't. Well, it basically says, <laughs> how are they ever going to know about God if you don't go and tell them? A preacher has to go and preach, right? 
They're not going to know about the goodness of God unless you actually go and tell them. It's like, yeah, that wasn't an instruction to pastors, right? It was an instruction to the people, right, um, of the church. Um, and so it's like, it's like the instruction is go. Like th- there's something so wonderfully practical about the scriptures when it says, like, you have to actually tell them about Christ, right? Faith comes by hearing, but you actually have to go and tell them about Christ. So here's the thing for you and I, right? That's to us. We have to just go and tell people about Christ. How are they going to know? How are they going to believe if somebody doesn't go and tell them is what scripture says. And so that is where we find ourselves, right? So as kingdom entrepreneurs, we have to stop thinking so small that our role in business is to, you know, build a business and write a check. That is an important part of the process. But let me tell you this, that's not your primary gifting. Your prime because because if it was, if your primary gift, if the primary gifting of business was to be able to write a check for a church, then what about the business people in the slums who don't have any extra? They're just running a business so they can feed their family and possibly stay alive today. That means that they do not have any power or any value as a kingdom entrepreneur because they weren't able to contribute a check, right, to the things of God. It cannot be. Your gift of business is to is first and foremost to go and be a witness to the world around you. And second of all, to write a check and be generous. All right. And I want to say that because I want to validate you so that you're not financially manipulated, but also you have the freedom to go and expect signs and wonders follow those who believe in the workplace. Right. Just pray for people. Go with boldness. Discern. Lay hands on people. Heal them. Pray for their healing. Expect God to move. It'll do just as much in your life as it will in their life when they get a touch from heaven. So that's what my 19 years of full-time ministry has been like. But I want to hear about you. I want to hear about you. So that's BBB number two. What I'd love to know is, Did you enjoy it? Did you learn some? Do you like hearing about how scripture plays out in the business world? If so, I need some love from you. Put something in the comments. And also, if you've got this far, do me a favor, share it. I know you can't share it if you're inside the Kingdom Business Global group because it's private. But if you're on my personal page, uh, hit share. If you're on YouTube, grab the share link, send it out. We need as many people as we possibly can catching up with this message. It's been great hanging out with you. Love you. And I'll see you again possibly tomorrow.